0: Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I am Chris Graham, and I have the pleasure of talking each week with Jerry Ratcliffe uh, about the uh, goings-on in UVA and ACC athletics. And, Jerry, a lot going on this week because we got college football starting up, UVA hosting Richmond in the season opener and the, the opener for – uh, the the UVA tenure of first year head coach Tony Elliott. So, um, I know you've got a lot going on. You've you've been at uh, practices. You've been talking with players and coaches. The presser this week. And uh, what's on your mind with uh, with the season just a couple of days away?
1: I'm just finally glad to see it uh, starting because. <laughs> the players are getting tired of hitting each other. The coaches are probably getting tired of watching uh, players hitting each other. And I, th- I know most of the media people are tired of, about writing about um, what's going to eventually happen. They, they want to see it happen. So I think uh, everybody is anxious for Saturday to get here. And obviously uh be an interesting opener for the Wahoos against Richmond. Uh, they've played uh, – many times over the years and nobody will forget, uh, the opening of the Bronco all era seven years ago when Richmond came in and simply kicked Virginia's butts all over the field. And, uh, I think that was the only time in Bronco's career he lost to an FCS team. But, uh, so I guess it got his attention in a, in a hurry, but uh, this program is in much better shape than the one he inherited. And, uh, I haven't seen a spread on the game. Don't even know if there is one, but I think um, this should be an interesting game because BM, uh, Richmond uh, infused with VMI talent. And we'll talk about that a little bit because I know you're an expert, have expertise in that area, having been the uh, VMI play by play guy. Uh, you've seen a lot of these guys in action and called their action. Uh, they could uh, present. Uh, an interesting problem for Virginia in this opening game on Saturday, 1230 Scott Stadium.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, you talked about the game in 2016, uh, 3720 was the final. It wasn't even anywhere near that close <laughs> the way that game played out. Richmond dominated that game. Um, and you talked about, um, how the, the, the cupboard is not nearly as bare, certainly. Uh, it was program left in a great situation compared to what Bronco inherited, what Mike London inherited, what even Al Groh inherited. And George Welsh, I went back four coaches. Each, each of those guys, you know, George was two and nine in his first season, Al Groh was five and seven in his first season, uh, Mike London was four and eight in his first season, Bronco Mendenhall was two and ten in his first season. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of folks think this team could win based on the schedule and and and. Uh, also, the talent that is back, uh, they could win seven, eight, maybe even nine games. Some folks actually think they might win. They might be able to win, you know, in, in the eight or nine range. Um, but it's it starts with it starts Saturday. And when you talk about Richmond, yeah, the, the coordinator, offensive coordinator, the new offensive coordinator, a guy named Billy Kosh, um, he comes from VMI. He ran the air raid offense there and he brought with him. Uh, the quarterback who set records at VMI running the air raid, uh, Reese Udinski, who transferred out uh, after the 2020 spring season, uh, 20, excuse me, 2021 spring season. I'm still catching up on the pandemic stuff there. Uh, he transferred to Maryland, but he had torn his ACL in the spring, and so he didn't really get a chance to compete uh, for the starting job last year. He got some time. Uh, Mop up duty. He, he including taking some snaps in the Pinstripe Bowl win by Maryland over Virginia Tech. Um, but now he's at Richmond. He's uh, very experienced in this offense, to say the least, and he's also got his top weapon from the VMI years, a guy named Jacob Harris, a six-four uh, wideout who um, he'll line up in the slot a lot, and uh, he's the kind of guy he's he's not a, a burner. Uh, he kind of reminds me a bit. He's not as athletic as Keaton Thompson, but kind of a, in, a, in a similar way, you know, a, a big receiver who can get open. Uh, you know, he's got a big body so he can kind of box out, uh, you know, guys in coverage and and, and and get get, you know, make catches, tough catches. And and um, and he's a very savvy uh, wide receiver, very, very good uh, route runner. So, um, you know, Richmond will put up some points in his game. You know, I think Virginia's going to have to score in the thirties to win this game. I, you know, Richmond's going to put some points on the board. And so, um, you know, I know a lot of times, uh, you know, coaching staffs, offensive coordinators for the FBS team, the power five team going into a game against an FCS opponent might try to, you know, keep things a little vanilla, you know, let's, let's, you know, just kind of, you know, use our size and depth and kind of wear on the other guys and, and we also don't want to show things off to our future fcs opponents fbs opponents um i don't think i don't think you can you're going to see a lot of vanilla out of virginia you're going to have to see them they're going to have to put some points on the board to, to beat this richmond team
1: yeah i wouldn't be a bit surprised about that uh and uh having talked to bob black in another podcast earlier today the voice of the spiders uh he talked they have some good running backs as well and so th- it sounds like uh you're right. It sounds like they'll be able to move the football and we're still curious about this Virginia defense and which was uh, atrocious last year and gave up uh, just huge chunks of yardage and points um how they'll react to a, a team that has a, a potentially to be an explosive offense um uh, Chris, I know, like you said, you you were the play-by-play guy for VMI and football. And um, tell us a little bit about Billy Kosh and just you know, I guess he was on the staff before he was elevated to uh, offensive coordinator a couple of years ago. But uh, just tell us a little bit about that this offense and what it looks like. Are they fast-paced, up tempo, or no huddle? What what uh, what are, what are we going to see on Saturday?
0: Yeah, as as the radio play-by-play guy for several years, uh, the challenge was <laughs> spitting the play out, letting my color analyst get a couple words in before the next snap. Uh, when VMI was on offense, that's they are very fast-paced offense. Um, they will operate exclusively out of the shotgun, and it's not a surprise. A lot a lot of college teams do that, but um, you'll see four receivers on the field most of the time. Sometimes five. Um, the running back gets used a lot more. You know, Virginia fans will say, well, hey, we, you know, under Robert Anai, we ran the air raid offense. So, Anai's, you know, got his own version of the air raid offense. Anai, last year, I, when I did the math on it, 73% of his play calls were passes. Um, because of scrambles and things like that, you know, it looked a little better in the end than it was. But 73%, Kosh, uh, 50-50. He's a 50-50 guy. Um Last year, in fact, I think it was maybe five more pass attempts than rushing attempts for VMI, um, and they were a pretty good team. They, they just missed the playoffs. They lost their last couple of games and uh, uh, won on a last-second field goal. If they'd have won either of those games, they'd have been a playoff team last year at the FCS level. Uh, and of course, after the, the spring season where they did go to the playoffs for the first time in school history. And, um, so, uh, and, and two years ago, actually three years ago, um, that offense produced a first-team FCS All-American running back, uh, uh, Alex Ramsey, ran for f- like fourteen hundred yards, twenty-plus touchdowns, uh, and so you will see this Richmond team. What they they'll spread the field, and then they'll you know try to run in the lanes created by the spread, um, and they've got a good running back uh, coming back this year, uh, Aaron Dykes, eleven 1, hundred ninety-seven all-purpose yards, and. Yeah. He had- three kick return touchdowns. So he's obviously got some speed and shiftiness about him. And so, yeah, you mentioned it, Jerry, um, that this Virginia defense, I mean, Virginia was 123rd in defense last year of 130 teams in FBS, 466 yards per game. And it was the equal opportunity. Uh, on the one hand, uh, teams ran at will against Virginia. And also when they passed, they had a pretty good pass efficiency numbers anyway. And so, um, It'll be the kind of thing where, yeah, Virginia's going to be tested in both on the ground and in the air. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a challenge. We'll we'll see very early in this one uh, just the the kind of adjustments made uh, by John Ruzinski and his staff.
1: Yeah, you know, I have a feeling that Virginia will be better against the run because they've got some fairly experienced guys – up front there with Aaron Famui and Ben Smiley, uh, Jameer Carter, who supposedly has come on, uh, Devontae Davis, uh, Cam Butler. Don't know a whole lot about it. He's a graduate student. They've got uh, they've got guys up there, uh, uh, and uh, Jack Camper came in from uh, Michigan State. He can play either defensive end slash tackle I guess or uh, the bandit position which is an outside linebacker but um I guess the two you if you look at that uh, two four six eight uh of those of those eight um guys or nine guys on the two deep all of them are either a junior senior or a grad student uh so there's some guys that's been around football for a while and uh with John Uh, Rudzinski um, focusing on tackling and and fundamentals. I I think they'll be a lot more solid up front and uh, be stingier against the run, although uh, that might not solve their problem against Richmond because of their ability to throw the ball, and Tony Elliott expressed a little... I wouldn't say disappointment, but he didn't maybe dissatisfaction would be a better word with the back end of his defense. When we met with him Tuesday, that like that uh, things aren't as solid back there as he would like. And uh, a lot of those guys are back from last year who gave up uh, big plays and, and massive yardage and points, Chris. And so uh, I imagine Billy Kosh and those guys will try to exploit that and see if there's any improvement there at all. Yeah, you know, I
0: I, I see a lot of the same things you see. Uh, to me, the depth up front is going to be key for this team. Last year, there just weren't a lot of bodies. Um, and, uh, you know, Cam Butler is the real deal. Uh, you know, you know he, he's the Miami, uh, Ohio transfer who was First team all MAC, uh, great uh, great ratings in Pro Football Focus. Just a lot of a lot, a lot of good, uh, uh, a lot of good things about him that we've heard, and and he's listed as the number one defensive end. And, and the number two guys, Paul Aker, the Columbia transfer, also had a, a really good numbers from Pro Football Focus last year. So <clears throat> those two guys rotating there. You know, you mentioned the um, the depth uh, of guys coming back, the movies and smileys and that kind of thing. Uh, at linebacker, and plus we get Chico Bennett um, in that uh, bandit position. Chico Bennett was the guy who transferred in last year from Georgia Tech, and, um, and then he tore his ACL and was not able to, to play last season. So um, get a chance to see what he can do out there. And he's listed number one uh, at, at bandit linebacker. And then his backup is Jack Camper from Michigan State. So there's a, there's a infusion of talent that, uh, you know, we didn't see last year. And then the guys who came back from last year up front, um, and, uh, you know, yeah, at the back end, you know, I like, I like Anthony Johnson. Johnson is a guy, uh, again, just going by his, when you look at his, it's it, it sort of the inside number of stats, the the, 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 what he does in coverage and that kind of thing. He's a great tackler, um, pro football focus, loves the guy. He's a veteran guy, he's a grad student. Um, but then aside from him though, there is, there is, you know, uh, some weaknesses back there. So guys will have to, uh, kind of grow uh, on the field. You know, you'd kind of rather develop the talent a little bit more uh, in practice and kind of get those guys experience. They're going to have to grow out there in, in game situations. So, um, But I think overall, I mean, it's got to be better than last year. It, it can't be it, – it couldn't al- – almost couldn't be w- worse than last year, right? But right. Um, I think I think it will be better because the the front will be better. And, and so as a result, you know, the front uh, being better will, will slow the run down they'll get a little bit more pressure on, on quarterbacks. And as a result, um, that'll, that'll make those guys on the back end a little more efficient because they don't, they won't have to, you know, be in coverage quite as long and they'll, they'll be able to do some more things that way.
1: Yeah. And Cam Butler, uh, had some really good pass rush numbers. Um, and, uh, and, and I think camper had some pretty nice numbers as well. So, um, yeah, I expect them to put more pressure on the quarterback this year. They they really didn't have much of a pass rush at all last season. And it was funny. Chris Slade told us a couple of weeks ago when he was meeting with uh, all his guys, he asked everybody that had a sack last year to raise their hand, and only four hands went up. And two of those were from guys that weren't here last year. <laughs> uh, they were at other colleges. So – um Gosh, it, just about anything will be an improvement over the pass rush they had a year ago. And, uh, and another key guy I think that we probably should mention on defense, maybe the key guy, at least in the in the back, is Darius Bratton, who's playing uh, sort of the – they call it the spur position. It's kind of a hybrid safety, and um, he's a, he's a graduate student. Uh, so he, he's going to be a guy that they're going to depend on to be involved in coverage, and uh, to be a solid run defender, and to possibly even be one of those guys that rushes the passer from time to time. And with his background um, at, at safety and corner in the past, and uh, playing playing some nickel, I guess um, I, I, his career has kind of been marred by injuries. He's a kid from down in Roanoke, I think, William Fleming High School. But he he had a a series of injuries throughout his career that's uh, held back his progress. But uh, Rudzinski kind of said that that he's one of the key guys on defense. If his position works the way it's supposed to, it's going to be a much more efficient defense than than otherwise.
0: Yeah, his position is the one that's supposed to make the plays. I mean, he he's he's he just does a little bit of everything. Uh, that position, at least, is supposed to do a little bit of everything. And so, um, and, and you know, Nick Jackson, of course, back, um, yeah, somehow did not get any vote or did, didn't get on on the uh, all ACC preseason defensive team. He all he did last year was lead the the conference in tackles. And you <laughs> know, maybe there's something there where people say, oh, well, I led them in tackles, but they were the worst defense or one of the worst defenses in the conference, but. Um, you know, he, he was an important guy because in a lot of cases, if he didn't make the tackle, the tackle didn't get made. And, and, uh, and so he's, he's there, and he's, he's a veteran guy, and a middle linebacker particularly, you know, calling the signals there for the defense, sort of the quarterback of the defense. It's, a, it's a really important that they got a guy like him back.
2: Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions, tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at aberdeenbarn.com or call 434-296-4630.
1: Yeah. I just think how bad it would have been if he hadn't been the leading tackler in the ACC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Josh Ahern, who is his, uh, I guess his backup, so to speak, um, will miss the first half of this game because he uh, is serving out in the penalty box, so to speak, a uh, uh, spearing uh, penalty from the Virginia Tech game last year that would have been served out in the in the bowl game had they played it, but in the Fenway Bowl. But obviously that game was canceled because of COVID. So he'll be missing the first half of action. in Saturday's game. Um, Offensively, there weren't a whole lot of surprises on the uh, depth chart, except I thought it left tackle, and and maybe it wasn't a surprise because uh, they're a little thin on the offensive line to begin with, and then when Jonathan Leach showed up with his left arm in a cast uh, like 10 days before training camp ended, uh, we knew somebody was going to have to start at left tackle, but true freshman, Mikael Boley from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, will be starting there. The first freshman to start at left tackle for Virginia since the Bricashaw Ferguson um, back in the Algro, early Algro era. And uh, we know how Ferguson went on to become a, a the number four draft pick in, in the NFL draft and had like a 10 or 12 year career with the New York Jets. But I think, if I recall, Ferguson was quite the exception for a freshman at that time. He, he came in here as a black belt uh, guy, uh, very athletic, um, able to move, great foot movement, great uh, hip movement, very flexible guy bully on the other hand the 6'4 331 pounds uh i guess he could block out the sun if he needed to but we will have to find out if he can block out a pretty mobile uh richmond pass rush and, and from talking to bob black today the uh i guess the uh, defensive end on that side is their most experienced uh pass rusher best pass rusher up think that's Marlon Lewis a mm-hmm. 6'3 250 Jr. But um this kid bully comes from good stock. His daddy played uh, Southern Miss and played nine years in the NFL and was on a Super Bowl championship team. So uh I'd say the the kid is probably more advanced than than we realize.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And you know he's he's left tackle but he's not the blind side tackle because Brennan's left handed. So um, so it's a little, but, but still it's, it's left tackle. He's a true freshman starting in his first game. He's only been on grounds for a couple of months and, uh, he's starting his first game. And, um, I re- coach Ellie was talking about how he's you know trying to calm him down a little bit because, uh, you know, <clears throat> you could easily get lost in the fact, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here. This is my first game and I'm, I'm already starting. Um, but Hey, you know, from, from his, from the standpoint of, of the young man, um, you know, yeah, he's behind, he's, he's, he. Elliot made it clear that he would be behind Jonathan Leach. He'd still be number two on the depth chart though, if Leach was around. And, and so um, it's a chance for him, you know, it might be a week or two or three where he starts and gets a chance to, you know, show what he can do out there. Who knows? He might, he might take the job over here. So it's a chance for him to prove that much anyway. Um, And uh, if nothing else, uh, you know, give, give depth for this offensive line as the season goes on when Leach comes back. So, uh, great opportunity for the young man and a pretty good opportunity for the UVA offensive line as well.
1: Absolutely. And he'll be joining, uh, John Paul Flores, uh, transfer we talked to the other day. He's really excited. Six, four, three Oh eight grad student. Um, he and Bowley have, uh, developed a little bit of chemistry and then Ty furnished starting center beat out justice Johnson, who uh, a lot of people thought would be the center in the spring
0: I think even Tony Elliott thought he would be the center.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do too. And you got to give Furnish credit. He decided he wanted to win that job and he took it. Derek Devine, who um, we thought we would see a lot last year, but missed uh, because of injury, is starting at right guard. He's a senior, 6'6", 295. And Logan Taylor, who – it's only a sophomore, but uh, we've heard a lot of good things. 6'6", will be the other uh, starting tackle, right tackle. Um, I guess a lot of people thought that Mike Hollins would eventually end up winning the starting job for the opening game at tailback. But lo and behold, uh, Paris Jones uh, held on to the job throughout training camp and will be starting on Saturday. I, both guys will play, but uh, – Paris Jones won the starting job, and you got to give him a lot of credit for for doing that.
0: Yeah, this isn't the earn not given era anymore at Virginia. Yeah, it's Bronco Minenhall is one of his uh, catchphrases, but I mean, yeah, in both these cases, Ty Furnish taking the the, the center job, and then Paris Jones. I mean, former walk on, he's a senior, he's been around for a while. Uh, he's had three total carries in his career uh, in mop up action in 2020, and um, but he he went out and won the job. Uh, you know, throughout the spring and throughout here in fall camp uh, coach Elliott would talk and, and actually other coaches too. Uh, uh, Des Kitchens. I remember saying that similar things that they like Mike Collins and they wanted to see more of what he could do. And some practices he would look great in some practices he, he would not. And, you know, I think he, coach Elliott even said it this week, like, well, he doesn't want to find out that uh, Mike Collins is a gamer, you know, that basically he's, he's a guy that, that, you know, performs a lot better in games than he does in practices because you need to be good in practice too but, uh, Hollins didn't win the job. And, and I'll, I'll say credit to coach Elliott and coach Kitchings uh, for essentially saying, you, you got to go out and earn a job. You know, it, we don't care about pedigree. Uh, th- this guy's a walk on, you were a three-star recruit, put up some big numbers in, in Louisiana, uh, you know, in a tough place to play high school ball. And, um, you, 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 great. You, you have great numbers. You have everything else, but you didn't win the job. So, uh, I think it's a, a testament to the coaching staff that they're they're you know making guys win jobs.
1: Yeah, and, and we can't forget that Tony Elliott was a walk on and ended up uh, being the starting receiver for Clemson under Dabo Sweeney. And um, yeah, Mike Hollins, uh, like we said, they, they they said you know Mike didn't do anything wrong. He uh, he's still uh, going to play Saturday. He just. They think he has another gear that he hasn't discovered yet, and they're trying to draw that out of him. I I don't know uh, how coaches do that other than maybe making people uh, sit on the bench for a while and maybe get more determined. But uh, I guess we'll find out as the season goes along. Didn't
0: Bobby Knight have a quote about how the bench is a, a, a hell of a motivator as far as that goes you 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 know the it, it transmits information through your butt up to your head
1: or something along those lines Sounds like um, something Bobby Knight would say yeah <laughs> probably just, a lot of other coaches too
0: <laughs> and that's probably the cleanest version i could probably give of that story but uh, <laughs> yeah
1: probably something so. to it
0: the, the bench can teach you some things um and so uh yeah so uh uh and of course you know brennan armstrong the wide receivers And it's interesting i mean with the depth they have at wide receiver billy kemp the fourth is listed as a backup i mean that just shows you how deep this wide receiver core is uh you can only get so many of them on the field they, they they'll run three receivers out there uh at least uh in, in their in their um primary pro style sets and billy kemp the fourth is is a is a guy subbing in so that tells you that this this receiver core is pretty uh, talented
1: absolutely and uh, i did a story on him uh last week about uh, his trials and tribulations coming back from uh some serious injuries at the end of last season he played hurt most of last season but he, he seemed to be well mended now and uh i think he's one of the most underrated guys in the acc for sure but uh the guy who's starting in the same spot i guess the, that's the, going to be uh, assuming it's slot position the guy i'm really excited to see uh on Saturday is Keaton Thompson. I I think he could arguably have been the MVP of this team last season if Armstrong hadn't put up such incredible numbers. But Keaton was one of the reasons why. And I, I just love to see him when he gets the ball in his hands because he's not your typical receiver uh, making a catch. He knows what to do with the ball. He's got great size, great speed, uh, and vision. And he knows how to make people miss. He's hard to bring down. Uh, He can line up anywhere on the field. Uh, He can be in the backfield as a running back or a slot receiver or wide receiver or even quarterback for that matter if he he has to. But uh, I I just think he's one of the most uh, entertaining guys in college football. I think he's an NFL player. I mean, uh, you know, I do too. If I had to pick one guy
0: on, on this roster this year, if, and only one, if I could only, you know, as much as I love Brennan Armstrong and what he does at quarterback, I'd say Keaton Thompson is the NFL guy on this team. Uh, now, there are, there are many others, I think, who will have that chance certainly to do that. But Keaton, his size at six four, his speed, um, the one thing that Tony Elliott talked about in, in training camp Uh, And this is what will be exciting to see out of, out of Keaton. He had 79 catches last year and and Tony Elliott thinks that he can learn a lot more about how to be a wide receiver because he was splitting his time. You know, he played quarterback for three years. Uh, He was, you know, in that hybrid role for a couple of years. So he really hasn't, you know, been in there in the trenches learning, you know, the craft. He has been the last few months uh, working with Marcus Higgins and, and, um, uh, and just focusing on, on improving his skills there. Um, you know, so if, if, if he had 79 catches, 1,200 yards from scrimmage last year and, and kind of didn't know what he was doing, he, <laughs> he knows what he's doing now. It's, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh A, a year of full study under Marcus Higgins is going to make anybody a much improved player. And, wow, it's, it's exciting to think about how good he can be because he was he's already pretty darn good, Uh and I, I just, I just love to watch him play. He's, he's, he's so much fun when he gets the ball in his hands. And, uh, I guess we could still see him line up in other positions, but I, I think he'll b- basically be a receiver for these guys and, uh, maybe involved in some trick plays. I, I don't know how much trickeration that Tony Elliott's have all about, but, uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, uh, should be fun seeing, uh, Brennan again. Um, in this new offense and, and what it's all about uh Dontavian wicks maybe some of the best hands i've ever seen uh can't wait to see him making big plays and then the return of lavelle davis my goodness how exciting he was two years ago before uh he got hurt uh, th- this could be a really entertaining game on saturday i, I don't know how many tickets they've sold i've I tried to find out, but I haven't heard anything back yet. But uh, I would imagine we'll have a pretty decent crowd with the, if nothing else, the novelty of a new era in Virginia football and uh, a lot of Richmond fans. And, uh, you know, I've I've gotten to know a lot of Richmond fans over the years. And it seems to me, Chris, that a lot of Richmond fans are also Virginia fans and vice versa, that uh, both fan bases have a lot of respect for one another. And so... Um, we can have a pretty good crowd on Saturday.
0: Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer. Personally Fit Art Supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Good Feet System so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield, near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com.
2: UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country. And they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years. With numerous team members featured in weekly segments, where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game.
0: Yeah, I know quite. I know personally a few people who are uh, uh, alums of both schools. Uh, either went to one undergrad, the other grad, or you know whatever the case may be. There. Uh, And so, yeah, there's a lot of overlap between the fan bases um, uh, and, uh, and and, yeah, for Virginia fans, they won't forget 2016. Um, My memory of that game, Jerry, my first impression, I remember sitting beside Scott German in the press box and when the, the, the Richmond team ran on the field, you know, um, FCS teams have have fewer scholarships. They have, I think it's 63 scholarships. FBS teams have 85. Um, They ran out, you know, they probably had 50 guys on their travel roster they ran 50 guys out there. And I'm thinking, man, you know, because now we're going to see a uve run out. And we ran out with 50 guys. <laughs> Bronco had, he didn't, he, you know, guys had to earn their numbers and we didn't, we weren't all called up on all that quite yet. And we didn't have any more guys than they had. I mean, Why are we doing? What What is this? FCS versus FCS. And then of course they, they kicked our heads in that day. Um, it was a, a rude awakening kind of thing. Um, it won't look like that uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, if, if nothing else, Bronco left, um, this the, the 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 program in a lot better shape than he found it in. Thanks to Bronco for that. And, um, you know, I, I know from the, the Brennan Armstrong interview he did this week, uh, on press conference day, uh, he talked a lot about how, you know, him and the other seniors want uh, to win this game to get the season off to a good start, but they also want to get Tony Elliott's career off to a good start. They, they understand that if this program can have a good season, if they can win seven, eight, or nine games um, that can, that can really, you know, have a lot of positive impact in terms of momentum for the future um, of, of the program. It'll, it'll, you know, send a message out to the recruits and everything else um, that this is, you know, this program's turning in the right direction. And um, you know, all that, all that big flowery talk said, got to go out there and win on Saturday and enrichment going to be a tough opponent.
1: Yeah, a couple of thoughts on on things you mentioned there. Uh, one, and you you may have noticed this since you uh, have been affiliated with VMI for a while. Is and uh, we asked uh, somebody asked this to Reese Udinsky during the uh, Zoom we had with them yesterday about uh, the one difference he noticed. I guess playing FBS opponents while he was at VMI. And he said he noticed that uh, the depth seemed to play a role, particularly late in the third – midway late in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter when it it seemed like uh, him and his offense at VMI would uh, have plenty of steam and uh, be hot and and move the ball successfully and consistently. And then when the depth started making a difference late in the game – it was evident and so that's one thing that could weigh in Virginia's favor on Saturday as well and then uh one of my unforgettable memories I guess of that game other than it just being the Broncos first and the outcome was uh <clears throat> Nancy McHugh uh just an angel of a, a lady or Doc McHugh's widow uh had a uh Skybox near the press box, and uh, somebody came over to me at uh, the start of the uh, halftime, and said, uh, "Nancy McHugh would like to see if you would come down to the skybox and say hello to Bill Millsaps during halftime." And Millsaps, uh, obviously, uh, who's since passed, uh, late great Bill Millsaps, was the longtime sports editor of the Richmond Times Dispatch, probably the best sports writer that's ever lived in this state of Virginia. Uh, not even close and uh, he had retired by then or was managing editor of the paper or something to that. vice president of the company I'm I'm not he was he wasn't a sports writer anymore but he and his wife Nancy were down there visiting and uh, Joe Geek uh, and his wife Sally were there and so uh, I went down to say hello and spend some time with them all wonderful people and, uh, Richmond was ahead. And then, uh, second half started quicker than we anticipated. And Richmond, I think scored, it seemed like almost immediately. And, uh, before I was able to get up and leave, I think Richmond there was a turnover or something and Richmond scored again. <laughs> and Millsaps, uh, looked at me and he said, son, he said, I don't think you need to go back to your seat for the second half. This game's over. <laughs> and, uh, saps is as always was was right again and uh uh that that's my greatest memory of that game because it was uh it was lopsided as could be it was stunning actually i think bronco was stunned about uh where the program was and a lot worse than he had anticipated it was
0: a rude awakening no doubt for him (laughs) for for the fans there that day too that was uh uh, that was something that uh, they hope they can uh, wash away uh, with a, with a win on Saturday, no doubt. Um, hey, there's some other stuff we wanted to get into uh, one, one topic. Uh, apparently tomorrow uh, there will be a vote upcoming. We don't have a lot of details, but a, a vote upcoming on the uh, a possible expansion of the college football playoff, um, which is something that we've both been advocating for a while.
1: Yes. Uh... I, don't, I guess it's a, a board of uh, college presidents. I, th- I think there's 11 people that are deciding this, but uh, apparently they're meeting on whether to expand. Uh, there seems to be a strong belief that it will be a unanimous uh, agreement to expand to most likely 12 teams. Um, there's not a structure in place at this point. But uh, apparently, the ACC uh, is going to be in agreement. Uh, They blocked it uh, earlier when it came to a vote or or at least discussion, along with the Pac-10 and the Big uh, Pac-12 and Big 10. And obviously, the Big 10 blew that up by stabbing everybody in the back. Uh, so everybody, apparently there's a unanimous agreement that there should be an expansion. Uh, if approved, uh, they could, uh, they, and again, I don't know how this works because ESPN owns the rights for the next couple of years for the playoffs. I don't know if they would agree to tearing up the present contract and starting <clears throat> the playoffs in 2024. Or 2025 before this contract is is up, and go with a new contract uh, because apparently the the new guys uh, voting on this, Chris, uh, don't want ESPN to have exclusive control of a 12 team playoff. They want it spread among uh, various networks. So that could be interesting to see how this develops. Uh, over the course of time and, uh, and how this thing will be formatted. And uh, I I don't imagine the conference commissioners and the college football playoffs themselves will be in control of that process. Uh, So we don't know if it'll be like automatic qualifiers from all the power five and uh, an exclusive place for Notre Dame, which I don't think there should be because I don't think Notre Dame's program is at the point where they should get, an exemption every year unless they're actually qualified to play in a playoff and uh or how the uh other uh programs are going to be involved. The uh the other the other five, uh whatever their nickname is, I forget.
0: But I think that the group of five. Group uh, of other, five yes. There's <laughs> seven there's seven other conferences in in uh, FBS, but there's a power five and a group of five. I guess that leaves two. That have no
1: even nickname. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Those kind of four two. If you don't have a, at least a bad nickname, like yeah. the group, uh, the other two. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I know you're for an expanded playoff, and and uh, I am as well because it's it, as as much as I think we might still end up with the same four teams as if we didn't have an expansion. I I think people are getting kind of bored with seeing the same four teams almost. Every year, I did a piece today uh, on AugustaFreePress.com, uh, looking at I'm
0: talking about how college football is the greatest sport until you get to the part where the playoff is, which is it's the most predictable sport. Um, there have been eight playoffs, which means there's been 32 bids because it's been a 14 playoff uh, and 21 of those 32 bids have gone to either Alabama, Clemson, uh, um, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. So just about 60% of the bids have gone to four teams. And then if you throw in Notre Dame and Georgia, that's 80% going to six teams. And so you can almost just go ahead and say now who the four teams are going to be, and you'll probably be close to, you'll you'll at least get three of them. Um, And so, yeah, something's got to be done. Uh, When you look at, there's 130 teams uh, in uh, FBS football, and it's probably more than that now, JMU moved up. So it might be 130-something. It's 130-something um literally six teams have a chance to win the championship uh each year six out of 130 is about you know that's uh quick math that's about five percent of 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 uh fbs football has a chance to win the championship and then that doesn't even count there's over 360 division one schools total and and you know we we, five teams have a chance to, to to make the big money um it it uh it's it's not good for the sport this is the sport that Changes everything. That's that's what every time there's movement and college conference, uh, you know, back and forth stuff, it's because of football. And yet all this, all this is going on, and, and only five or six schools have a chance to win the championship each year. Something's got to change there. And yet you're probably right, Jerry. If we get to 12-team playoff, it's still probably gonna be some of the same f- f- four or five or six schools that'll make the final four and then eventually the final two, but at least. You know, there's a lot more fan bases out there that can say we have a chance, and that's right. all.
1: You, and if you're a fan
0: of a team, all you is a chance.
1: Yeah, because right now, uh, if your team loses a game during the regular season, unless you're in the SEC, yeah, you're probably eliminated. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, I mean, Clemson last year, even they when they lost to Georgia on the first night of the season, oh, <laughs> even even Clemson couldn't, you know, had a, had a hard time coming back from that. So. Yeah, if so if you're a Virginia fan, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, no matter who you, if whatever fan you are, um, if you yeah, one loss and you're done. And um, whereas I mean even in there even power and we're talking about power pop schools, but if you're Ohio State or you know, Notre Dame or one of those type schools, yeah, you can oh well, they, they can still play their way in with uh, you know, this that and the other happening. Um, it's just it's yeah, it's it's a, it's it's not and it's it's so opposite of basketball, men's basketball which captivates us for a month in March. Um, you, you know, there's, there's still, uh, you know, Virginia's a power five conference team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of power five conference teams still won those championships, but, but everybody has a chance to get in that tournament and win some games in that tournament. And every once in a while, I mean, for two straight years, Butler was in the championship game. Uh, you know, you, you see VCU and George Mason make a run of the final four. Um, you see, what was it? Loyola of Chicago, uh, and the yes. run they had a few years ago. Those things, yeah. Those, yeah. That's right. The, those things can happen in college basketball. Nothing of anything close to that can happen in college football. And um, that's a shame. And we need to, we need to do something about that. And I'm, hopefully they'll, they'll make that move tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think they will. And uh, again, uh, there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm uh, being expressed outside the, the closed doors and, uh, a lot of people are expecting a unanimous uh, decision. So be fun to see where this goes in the next few weeks or months.
0: Yeah. And the leverage point I would assume for uh, getting ESPN to, to agree to rip up the contract sooner than it ends in 2025 would be, all right, look, you can, you can rip it up now and, and we'll, you know, work with you for a couple of years or, when the, the whole thing comes up for re, redoing into after 2025 um, you might get shut out. Uh, and, and that's to me, you know, to me, it's, it's best for college football, the money we're seeing pumped into college football because there are multiple players involved. Now it's not just ESPN Fox and CBS and NBC throwing all that money to big 10. Um, you know, we, in the ACC, stuck with espn through 2036 in a deal that looked good you know six years ago but it's not so good now um you know it's competition is going to get more money for for the uh for for, for college football's bottom line so um that's why uh they need to you know keep it open as as much as possible throw amazon throw apple tv in there i mean whoever wants to bid and and let's figure out how we can do this the best and most equitable way. But um the NFL doesn't have just one network carrying its its playoffs. You know, Fox and 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 CBS and NBC even gets games. ESPN gets some games. That's NFL the way to
1: network ma- gets NFL some-
0: networking. Yeah, that's that's the way to maximize the money out there. So um, you know, they can use that leverage point perhaps and and, and say and let ESPN know, eh, play with us now or you won't be playing with us later. And uh I think ESPN will play with them
1: yeah I, I imagine the uh, bottom line here is going to be st- a staggering number to to pay for these uh these expanded playoffs i mean the uh the number of viewers is unfathomable and the interest uh in college football unless they kill it before then with all s- some of these other goofy things they're doing with gobbling up all the teams into two leagues but um Yeah, I think it's going to be a staggering amount of money that that the likes we've never seen before.
0: There's there when you talk about a 12 team playoff, there's 11 games, uh, instead of just three, uh, to 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 have to 11 games that play into a champion. Um, uh, so your first round matchups at five versus 12, I mean, that's that's going to be that's a game for a that's that's a game with playoff implications. And so, um bowl games in general the top bowl games still get good ratings and those top bowl games mean nothing they just are exhibition games that half the kids don't even want to play in because they're afraid to get hurt and hurt their nfl chances um five versus 12 six versus 11 7 10 8 9 um those are all games that can lead you to a chance at a national championship and so we're going to be tuned in for those games. As a result, the advertisers want to have access to our eyes. And that means that the, uh, the networks have to pay some money to, to get, uh, those advertisers dollars. So yeah, it's a, it's a great capitalism's great when it works that way. Um, and we yes. can only hope <laughs> and, and for, for the college programs and college football in general, um, you know, they can tap into that money and, 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 uh, be able to pay. Well, it'll still end up, you know, just end up in coaches pockets and, uh, <laughs> we'll just keep throwing money at Nick Saban and uh, Jimbo Fisher and all these guys, but, but it'll, it'll, it'll meet, it'll make for some more uh, meaningful September, October, November football games for fans.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll make the uh, conference races a little more interesting than they have been for sure. Yes, indeed.
0: So what else is on your mind, Jerry? I know it's we won't be getting close to wrapping up. Um, Anything else to to throw out there as we're uh, talking to our fans here, to listeners here?
1: Yeah, before I uh, get into it, I, I wanted to uh, give an update on all the UPA guys and their NFL status and uh, maybe just uh, just a tad mention of basketball. But uh, before I do that, I'd like to thank our advertisers. Uh, you've heard their commercials on uh, the show. And uh, we thank them. Please thank them whenever you uh, visit their business. Uh, Ragged Mountain Running Shop. Which has been very loyal to us, and the Good Feet store at Stonefield, uh, located next to Burger Bach. If you've got any kind of uh, foot, knee, hip, back problems, uh, go see those folks. They'll fit you uh, and give you some art support and stuff that uh, will make a huge difference in the way you feel. Also, the Aberdeen Barn, go see Angela, the finest steakhouse in Virginia uh making my mouth water as we speak about uh, how great their food is and what a great atmosphere you'll be able to see just about anybody in there including some of your favorite wahoos over the years and uv or orthopedics the great doctors there we'll be talking to them more uh now that the season is here hopefully you we won't see a lot of them on this on the field this year <laughs> Because when one of the doctors goes out on the field, it means it's a little more serious injury than just a a leg cramp or a turned ankle. So hopefully uh, you won't see them going into the tent on the sidelines with a lot of Virginia players, but just uh, observing and and, uh, rooting on the Wahoos from the sidelines. But uh, thank all those people. We appreciate them. We wouldn't be here without them. And also thank all of our sponsors on the uh, website, uh, many of whom are different, and we should be, hope to be adding a few more of those here in the next coming weeks. We'll be announcing that. Um, NFL update on Virginia players. uh, One of the guys I used to really enjoy watching play when he was here, defensive man Brent Urban, class of 13, uh, was cut by the Ravens Uh, on cut day this week, but has re-signed with the team after David uh, Ajobo and Charlie Kohler were placed on injured reserve. So um, he might uh, be able to stick with them and maybe even make it back up. Uh, I didn't realize this until uh, my son reminded me of it, but uh, players who are placed on practice squad – can be called up to the 53-man roster three times throughout the season. So, a lot of these guys on practice squads can get called up and down uh, throughout the year. Um, Another guy, uh, safety, Anthony Harris, Ant Harris, class of 14, was cut by the Eagles this week but has also signed to their practice squad. So, he's still around. Uh, One of the most exciting guys – In recent years, Joe Reed, wide receiver, kick returner, class of 19 with the Chargers, also assigned to their practice squad. A guy from last year, two guys from last year's team also made their practice squads after getting cut this week. Wide receiver Rashawn Henry, who uh, really came on strong for Virginia last season, uh, particularly the second half, uh, made the Panthers practice squad. And offensive tackle Chris Glazer signed uh, a late contract with the uh, Jets and uh, was cut this week, but has re-signed with their practice squad. So quite a few Wahoos there. Uh, There are no news on the following players, so they could still get signed to their practice squad or uh, perhaps get picked up by someone else. And we're talking about defensive lineman Andrew Brown from the class of 17. Offensive tackle Eric Smith from the class of 16. Tight end Tony Poljan from the class of 20. Uh, one of Virginia's uh, fans' favorite players in 20, linebacker Charles Snowden. Uh, was cut, no news yet on him. Uh, Devontae Cross, who played last season, uh, signed as a safety very late with the Packers, was cut this week. No news. And cornerback Tim Harris, class of 18, uh, cut this week and no news. So uh, keep your fingers crossed for all those guys that they'll be able to uh, make somebody's roster uh, sometime during the season. But that's uh, that's an update on all the UVA players in the NFL right now. Uh, not as many as there used to be. And, of course, uh, some guys did make it, like uh, Bryce Perkins. There's, We have a story on that on my website that tells you who made it uh, from earlier in the week. And uh, just a little basketball tidbit, uh, Blake Buchanan, the guy who committed to Virginia over Gonzaga back uh, some time ago, uh, is making his official visit to Charlottesville this weekend, so he'll probably be at the football game. Uh, sitting with the other UVA players. And um, I think Chris mentioned last week that uh, in the new uh, recruit ratings, rankings, he jumped like 100 spots, which we expected him to, because he had an incredible summer. And, um, well, uh, uh gosh, uh, who knows what his future is going to be, but I, uh, I think it was one of the recruiting coups of the summer for – Tony Bennett landing him over Gonzaga, no doubt
0: about that. Well, um, kickoff on Saturday is twelve thirty, and uh, don't don't forget to mention uh, don't forget to, uh, to to listen. Also, you listen to this podcast. Thanks for that. Uh, Jerry mentioned uh, Bob Black, the voice of the uh, Richmond Spiders. Uh, you had a, another podcast with him where you talked a lot of of Richmond football. So listen to that one as well. That, that'll get you ready for Saturday. Yeah, Bob um, will
1: give you all the scoop on the Spiders.
0: Follow Jerry uh, during the game uh, on Twitter, uh, and then of course uh, both of our websites, AugustaFreePress and JerryRadcliffe.com, will have ample post-game coverage uh, Saturday night into Sunday into Monday. So, um, if you whatever you missed during the game or whatever big plays, big situations, whatever ha- happens during the game, we'll have it all broken down for you by then. So, uh, busy fun weekend coming up for for us and for you as fans. Jerry, thanks for your time. To our listeners out there, thank you for your time. We will talk to you again soon.